Hello and welcome. I'm Lori Hardy, and thanks for listening in as we continue to talk with leaders in our community. Two features today. The first is Zakia Nicole with the Chaya Movement. And second, we are talking with Nadine Haroni, who has written the book Frida the Frog to help kids get through divorce. So let's start off with the Chaya Movement, upcycling, recycling clothes. We are talking to Zakia, and her website is called The Chaya Movement, and it's thechayamovementactually.com. Welcome yes. to the show, Zakia. I am so excited to hear about this. <laughs> I am so fascinated. Tell me about it, and then you said you're booming, so let's hear what's going on. Yes, The Chaya Movement was just a passion project that was birthed from my love of pre-owned and recycled fashion. So in me launching what was Chaya, which was a brand that focused on recycled fashion. So I did some upcycling, which was just changing garments into new garments, did a line of men's shirts that we converted into women's dresses and tops and had a line of sunglasses that were made out of recycled plastic, but in, and then sold vintage, curated vintage and quality pre-owned and sold those things online and in local shops. But in me like researching and finding ways to differentiate my business, I stumbled upon the waste that fashion creates and just the impact that it has on the world environmentally and then some of the unethical practices. And in learning that and uncovering that through the documentary, The True Cost, that really kind of changed my perception of, of fashion. And it also made me want to kind of become an advocate and educate consumers on the impact of their choices and on their fashion uh, choices. And so from there, started hosting different events, starting with clothing swaps to documentary screenings to just panel conversations, just talking about the impact of fashion and what that looks like around the sound. And when I started doing that, I realized that what I was doing was more nonprofit advocacy work. From there, really started leaning into what could we do to make a greater impact impact in fashion. And so from that, my background is workforce development. I I work in human resources. Um, So kind of paired that with the fashion world and landed upon the Chaya movement, which is now we work with future fashion professionals and just give them that perspective of being an advocate before they go into their fashion career by giving them the tools that really focus on leadership, professional development, and giving them that perspective of sustainability and environmental and ethical practices in fashion. So they have that lane and lens before they go into their career, whether they land at a big fashion house or a small brand or create their own they'll already have this knowledge going into to fashion. And so our goal is really, and our vision is to change the future of fashion, one future fashion professional at a time. And that's where we are now. I love it. And so do you go to the, the colleges and the community colleges? Um, so everything we've been doing has been pretty much remote. The work that we do in community is typically just events. We just recently partnered with City of Tacoma and did our signature clothing swap event in partnership with UW Tacoma sustainability team there. And then City of Tacoma, and then my team as well of volunteers and board of directors. And then really it's just been partnering with municipalities and cities and small businesses to do events like that, that empower the community. But our interns and fashion advocates are actually, (laughs) I didn't intend on this happening, but I mean, for this cohort coming up, we have somebody in California, we have a person in Pennsylvania. I had people that applied that weren't even in this country. So I was really surprised at at the reach (laughs) that we had, but with the end of their 
internship, they actually are tasked with doing a community action project in their own community. The last four weeks, they'll work on an event of some kind or something that's going to benefit their community. And that's how they spend the last four weeks of their time in the internship. When you say cohort and Mm -hmm. internship, do you like have a program or do they just come and do volunteer work? What does that look like? What we do is we recruit between two and five based on funding interns or advocates and training that we pair with a fashion brand and they're able to focus on three career paths, one being fashion design, the other being fashion marketing or writing, and then the last one being supply chain. And so they're able to work with a brand for eight weeks, and that's a part-time internship status. And we are partnering with an online platform called Nomadic Learning, and that allows us to have them work and within a platform on leadership, some professional development, and we provide the mentorship, we do check-ins. And really the brand just focuses on giving them those hands-on skills in the area that they desire to go into. So the brand takes the burden off of them of paying them because we're paying the interns a stipend every month. We're checking in with them every week. They're having to do learning modules, which, like I said, cover leadership and some professional development. Um, And then we're also providing that mentorship as well. So that's what we provide as an entity while the brand just focuses on getting the support they need in the area that the the intern or advocate in training desires to work in professionally. So they're getting real world experience that they can add to their resume while we're focusing on the ethical part, which is making sure they get paid for their time and the labor and then getting those skills that will really help them launch into their career and feel and feel secure and feel confident with being able to be true advocates in the space that they desire to go into. If somebody wants to do that program, how do they get a hold of you? Our current application phase is closed, but really they would fill out an interest form, which is on our website. If you go into the Get Involved, there's an application or interest form there. So for someone who wants to go in fashion, this is something they're interested in. They can do that. And then on the opposite end for a brand, if you're interested in partnering with us, um, we do have a criteria for someone or a brand or company in fashion. We do only work with those that are, have some sustainable and ethical um, practices that we can verify. And then they can fill out that form. And we would love to really build our partner brands and partner companies. And then the opposite end, we're getting great responses from those. And so we want to be able to place those advocates in training once once the partnership is there. But really the key to this all is the funding. We are removing that barrier from small companies by paying interns so they don't have to worry about that. And that all just really is by design only going to happen if we have the dollars to do that. Where are you actually located? I live and work in two different places. So I am down in Pierce County. So I'm in Tacoma. The business itself, my board are all between King County and Pierce County, but our hub has been Federal Way. Um, That's where I was before I moved to Pierce County. So Our uh, mailing addresses is Federal Way. Our community is Federal Way in Tacoma. I'm from Tacoma. So that's pretty much why I call that the base is Tacoma. Do you take volunteers besides your interns? Do you have a a volunteer program? We do. And so there's a couple different ways to get involved because kind of depends on need and and events. We do, like I said, host our, our own community events, which are typically clothing swaps. And we had just did Two, do you have another one slated for the fall? So that's an opportunity. And then in addition to that, we're always looking for mentors because we do have a professional development side of what we offer. So being able to bring in professionals that could teach a workshop and get involved.
involved that way, make phone calls, of course, fundraising. Those are always things that we need support with and need volunteer hands on deck for. And then I'm open to ideas of things that people want to bring to the community and that we can partner with. So there's opportunity in that as well. So I think what drew me to you is I saw the clothing swap. Can you talk about that? What's that look like? So the clothing swap, like I said, is a signature event. It's something I started five years ago. This was the fifth year of doing those. And really, it's just an opportunity for for the community to get involved in circularity when it comes to just fashion. It's not something we really think about when it comes to recycling, but it is a creative way for folks to get rid of things and to acquire new things that are clothing and fashion related in an environmentally friendly way. So that's part of the reason why I started it, just saw I participated in one that was really small amongst friends and thought it was a great idea to bring to the community and have started it small community swap in federal way. And, and since then it has grown to being something that's offered citywide, like the event that you saw with the city, the Sustainability Expo. And so that's really just an opportunity. You bring, gather up the clothes that you don't want that still have use in them that are still wearable, but maybe just something that's been sitting in the back of your closet or in your drawer. We just ask that it's clean, that it's wearable. You bag it up, shoes, handbags, uh, clothing, bring it down to the swap and we display it, put it on the rack. And hopefully there's something there that somebody else has brought that catches your eye that you want to try and wear. And it's just a way for people to think about an environmentally friendly way to get rid of things and actually see it like go home with somebody else. I think that's the joy I get out of those events because (laughs) you bring your bag and like people are waiting to see what's coming out of that bag. And then people are grabbing those items and putting it in their bag to take home. It's really just a great community way to just participate in that circularity when we think about recycling and repurposing, being environmentally conscious. That's why that started. And it's something that I've just seen continue to, to go on and grow and And it's something that the community wants. And then with the excess, um, we're able to donate that to other nonprofits and other entities in the community to ensure that things that don't go home with people still actually get to live on. So Mm -hmm. you don't really have a building, you have more clothing, you have more of a program that works with clothing. Absolutely. That is correct. No building, no space that's designated for this. That'd be great to have in the future. Um, I could see this a swap model being something that would be great to have on a regular, but that is not something we have currently. You work in human resources. Mm-hmm. And so that that's basically your day job. And then you do this. Yep. So I work for, uh, I work in the education field. I'm a HR director up in Redmond. And then by night and by weekend, I'm working on this project with the goal of swapping and having this be something that we can do large scale uh, based on the feedback, based on the response and based on the impact we could have. I definitely see in that being something that that could happen. You said you're booming. It's really been taken off. What's been your biggest surprise? I think the biggest surprise has been how far the reach has gone and just how much the need is for internships like this. It's really a void in the fashion community. Interns are used to not being paid. Interns are used to, it's very competitive in the fashion world. And I think the other surprise that I've found is that folks who are in the fashion world who have not had this opportunity find themselves really frustrated in fashion. 
because they want to come in and make change. They want to come in and they see the things that are happening and they feel like they don't have a voice. And so this really allows for them to come in and already have some of those tools to be able to have a positive impact and feel confident in doing that. And so I think that's really the surprise is just how much support and how much folks are just like, wow, this is, this is something that really fills a void in the industry and just are really supportive. So you have this idea and you really don't know how people are going to respond to it. And so I think that's probably been the surprise is just how much support and how much interest there is. Yeah. So you started with an idea and it turned into a movement. It absolutely did. From the swap to the internship idea, this model, the cohort, to being able to support and have national global partners. It's been quite the ride, but it's a it's a great like confirmation of just the need and the impact that we can have and just how much stronger we are together. It's not just me. Like you said, it's a movement and it takes it takes all of us to be able to make it happen. What is it you really want people to know that that haven't heard of you before? I think the biggest thing to know or the most important thing to know is that we all put on clothes. It's something we all have to do. So I think just really being mindful of how that can impact other people because it does. So I always say you vote with your dollar. So who you buy from, where you spend your money, you're voting. You're saying whatever they're doing, whatever practices they have, whether it be unethical or ethical, you're you're saying is okay because you're buying their product. So I think just being mindful of that and thinking about the life of your garment, what went into it, the many hands that touched it from the cotton to the seams, the zippers, There are many people that touch one single piece of a garment. So I think just being mindful of that, I think we're very disconnected from that process. And I think if we could just start there, just thinking about just that process and and the lifespan of a garment, that I think this mindfulness is the key. I just think that's something that that is a good place to start. And you're on a mission to make that happen. Absolutely. Definitely a mission. It was not what I set out to do or even like, I just want to sell vintage and upcycled and things that I love. And yeah, and here we are. I noticed you have a donate button. So the donate is for monetary. Again, we pay interns a stipend and the amount of money we raise is the amount of interns we can hire. Right now for this cohort, we were able to fund three interns. And so our goal is to just continue to grow that. And again, that comes from grant dollars, monetary donations, and that's the only way we're able to fund what we do. How many cohorts have you done so far? We're in our pilot. So this will be our first one cohort. Actually, they all start on June 5th will be their first like week of work because it's during the summer. Our weekly check-ins will be as a cohort. So as a collective, we'll all come together, kind of do a check-in, go over the modules that they're working on and do a check-in on that. And then just kind of do a touch base for the week. And then they go back to their week of working for the brand. And then that's just a weekly basis that we'll be checking in as a collective. And then of course, as needed, there's all additional support as they're working throughout the 12 weeks total is what it is. And who created the modules? So we are partnered with Nomad. So it's like a nomadic learning and it's online in partnership with Remake, who is a global advocacy brand in fashion. They have a Remake certificate program. So all of our interns will be able to get a fashion, sustainable fashion certificate in partnership with Remake. In collaboration with our weekly check-ins, we'll just, we have a theme. 
So whether it be leadership, sustainable design, professional development, um, conflict resolution, all of those different things that are needed for professionalism and professional development, that'll also that'll coincide with that nomadic learning platform. So they all graduate and finish with their certificate in sustainable fashion. That's through the Remake. Remake is a, like I said, they're a national or international now. They do more of the advocacy policy work when it comes to sustainable and ethical fashion. We all have fashion. There's a way that you can get involved. If you know anyone who's interested in fashion, we would love to hear from them. Like I said, there's an interest form for folks to get engaged with us. If you want to learn, if you're interested in hosting an event, we have support materials. So I really just think communication, contact, and support, like amplifying our messages, following us on social media, that'll all have an impact on what we're doing. Those are the things that that would greatly benefit us currently besides just monetary donations. In the beginning, you had talked about some like info sessions. Do you do those or do you have those online where people can be like, oh, I'm going to jump on a webinar and see what's happening? We don't right now. It's just that um, if you're interested in the next cohort or interested in a future cohort to do that interest form, we have not scheduled a info session as of yet. I do anticipate that will happen after this cohort wraps, which will be in the fall. And then we'll be able to to begin getting feedback because of course we want to get feedback from the current cohort, see if there's anything we need to tweak and then be able to engage and, and reach out to folks who have communicated interest. And then we do plan to do something in the fall, early winter. Is that something you've always done? Like since you were a little kid? It is. It was definitely my design aesthetic. So whether it was shoelaces on a pair of jeans and the leg, distressing things, cutting a shirt, boxers. I mean, it was always, I was always just a strange kid. And then in high school was when I started falling in love with vintage and just going back to grandma's closet and finding unique pieces from there. But yeah, it's, it was always a part of my my style and my design to be like creative and not really want to do what everyone else was doing. And my first job was with Citizens for Healthy Bay. So I think naturally just thinking about being resourceful, recycling, and the mindfulness was always there. I just didn't really connect the two until later, but uh, I just thought I was being creative and savvy and resourceful. But later I realized just the the impact that that was having on just, like you just said, like repurposing and recycling and upcycling that was having a greater impact than I even realized. Yeah. And I think people really want that. I think they want to see it. They want to be a part of it. And yeah. people that don't know, like, oh, you mean I don't have to just throw everything away? I think it's, it's... Don't. And that's what I tell folks. And if you leave with anything, I would say, I know folks are like, you know, last resort, I don't want to give to Goodwill. But it's like, if you can't do anything else with it, it's a good place to take it. Value Village, Goodwill, looking at your local shelters, things that still have life in them. I do have a, and if someone's interested in like resources, I do have a list that we do. We distribute at our swaps, just of like ways to get rid of things and places to go to shop sustainably for fashion and the sound, whether it be resale, whether it be local designers, whether it be renting, which is also a sustainable practice. Just thinking about ways to get involved. Those are different things you can do. And at the last, at the end of the day, as long as you don't put it in the trash can, <laughs> you know, like... 
worth just giving it to some to a place like that because they also redistribute and they have entities that they work with, whether they're turning it into insulation or breaking it down and turning it into a new fiber. There are things that are happening that we may not be aware of. So I would say as a last resort, take it to Value Village, take it to Goodwill, but that is like the last resort for sure. Well, thank you so much. Tell us your webpage again. So it is the T-H-E Chaya, C-H-A-Y-A-H movement, M-O-V-E-M-E-N-T.com. All spelled out. We'd love for you to come reach out, send us an inquiry, ask questions, engage with us, follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. We're on all of those. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Zakia, thank (laughs) you so much. I just am so intrigued. And I especially love it when people have something they're passionate about and they're brave enough to not only do it, but then when it starts to blow up, they're like, okay, let's take this. Let's run with it. Yeah, Yeah. sounds like you're doing that. And I love it. So anybody who is interested in this sustainable, is that what you call it? Sustainable fashion? Go yes. to thechayamovement.com. Nadine Haruni is the author of the book series, Free to the Frog, to help children not only get through divorce, but life transitions. Welcome, Nadine Haruni. So glad to have you. Thank you. So glad to be on your show. So you have a series of books, Free to the Frog, and that's your website, actually, freetothefrog.com. It is, and social media. I kept it simple. Everything's free to the frog. The whole purpose is helping kids deal with divorce, which I wish I would have had when I went through my divorce, because it is really hard on kids. So why don't you just start and explain how this book would help kids? There's five books in the series. This is the first book, Free to the Frog Gets a Divorce, but each of the books, the thread running through all of them is trying to teach kids understanding, tolerance, that every family looks different. And we talk about issues that might be, let's say, taboo or, or difficult for parents or teachers to start talking about or different types of families. So in this case, this is the first book, we meet Frida and the characters, Frida and her husband, Frank, things aren't working out, they get divorced, the kids go back and forth between the two different lily pads. So it's trying to make a heavy subject a little more lighthearted by virtue of its colorful characters. It's a a frog wearing lipstick, but it's talking about a serious subject. I went through a divorce. It was because my husband came out and I remember my kids saying, well, so are we going to be like our friends and have two moms and two dads? And I was like, yeah, pretty much. No, mm -mm. (laughs) I'm going to be your only mom. But there are so many angles. And I know that you touch on this. So you talk about divorce and maybe the new family or blending a family. Actually, each of the stories that Frida and her family go through follow me and my own family and our journey. So as I went through things with my kids and I found that there was a lacking of books that discuss these subjects in a sort of not intimidating way for kids. I wrote about them, figured it could help other families in terms of how to broach the conversation. So in the second book, Freedom Meets a Blue Frog, they become a blended family. I'm in a blended family. And it's touching upon uh, blended families of all types, different race, different ethnicity. So it's diversity a little bit as well. Each book kind of talks about their phase of life. There's so many different changes that kids and families can go through that are difficult for them to maybe talk about or for parents to know how to have a discussion. The third book, they move to a bigger lily pad and it's helping kids deal with change, which me and my kids move from Manhattan to the suburbs and they sort of went kicking and screaming initially, so to speak, but then they ended up loving it. Then the fourth book, Frida the Frog says farewell to her fish. Frida and her family get a pet fish and the fish dies 
which in my family was my grandma Helen. Most kids, especially young ones, have encountered death, whether it's a pet or a family member. So it's touching upon that. And then lastly, Frida the Frog and the Two Mamas Next Door. <laughs> it was written sort of for the LGBTQ community, but it's also just reminding kids that there could be a household with a single parent, two moms, two dads, a mom and a dad, that love and families come in different shapes and sizes. I love it that you bring up all of these topics. Depending on where you live, Kids get a lot of mixed messages, maybe negative stereotypes and things on the news or even at certain people's families. I'm hoping that these books can really reach kids everywhere, both for the kids who are either in these types of families or going through these particular situations, but also for their peers to develop more awareness and empathy and not make these kids who might be going through a tough time feel like they're an outcast. So Nadine Haruni is the author of Frida the Frog, and it's at FridaTheFrog.com. So my mom is the OF, the original Frida. She spells her name differently. I tease her. She spells it wrong. She's F-R-I-E-D-A. I spelled my Frida F-R-E-E-D-A because I wanted the, the hidden meaning is sort of for kids and families to feel free to express themselves and have these conversations. But I wrote the first book, a draft of it, when I took a class writing and illustrating children's books back in 1998 for my mom, Frida, who was going through a divorce. I never really pursued the, the teacher who was a published children's book author said, this is great, you should get it published. But this was in 1998. And there was really no internet. And I had no idea how to do it. Like a lot of frustrated writers, I just put it in a drawer and said, I'll get to it later. And later it was 2008. When I was going through my own divorce, I felt that there, there are other books out there, but there were none that really resonated with me. So that was the impetus. And then luckily I got a publisher and, and that's how it happened. In a way, it's that hope that we will be okay. I remember for my kids, it did feel like the end of the world. I didn't know how to find any books. We went to the library a lot, but mostly <laughs> it was just through talking it out. Frida and then... Fred is the frog that she divorces. Franny and Frank are the kids, the tadpoles. And her new husband is Samson. And then he has a tadpole, Jack. So they all become a blended family. Now you've got a new project on the line. You want to tell us about that? I've been working night and day on finishing a completely different middle grade fantasy series. It's a trilogy. My agent just recently got me a, a book deal, three book deal. If people follow me on my Frida the Frog social media, they'll see I'll announce the title and the release date, but it should be in the fall of 2023. What do you hope to accomplish with this? Is it just entertainment? Is there message? It's a middle grade fantasy book sort of written. It's not like Harry Potter, but it's the most akin to the feeling of Harry Potter. It's written for middle grade, which is younger kids, but I'm hoping older adults and teenagers like the books, just like with Harry Potter. It's a fantasy between a 13-year-old boy's imagination and this fantasy life and his real life, and it goes back and forth. The theme of it is kind of talking about imagination and pursuing your dreams the goal is for this to be a screenplay, honestly. Awesome. That is so cool. We are talking with Nadine Haruni. She is the author of Free to the Frog, which is... Yes, F-R-E-E-D-A-T-H-E, frog, F-R-O-G dot com. You got it. I'm trying to promote love and not hate, not to sound corny or cliche, but kids, especially at a young age, if we can reach them at a young age, that might transform their viewpoint or the way they sort of view the world and how they interact with people. 
So freetothefrog.com, and Nadine Haruni is the author, and you are also on social, right? Facebook, Insta. Frida the Frog, F-R-E-E-D-A, the Frog. I'm Lori Hardy, and thanks for listening in today. We hope you've learned something new. Join us again next week as we continue to talk with people that are making a difference in our community.